Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? All right, everybody, welcome back to The Pod Has Spoken, uh, probably some people's number one source for Survivor uh, post-show content. Uh, I definitely know it's mine, and uh, you know I can't give this podcast enough stars. Riley, how many stars would you give our podcast that we're on? How many stars am I allowed to give it? I think... Six, seven, ten, eleven? Over out of five? A uh, hundred? Yeah. Uh, yeah, However many I'm alive. Okay, good. That means uh, two out of three give it uh, maximum stars so far. And with me today, a very popular contestant. You may know him from his uh, affinity for animals of all sizes and shapes. And uh, a contestant a couple seasons ago. I'd heard that nobody gets his first name right. And so I really tried to put in the effort and to pronounce it exactly correctly, I've attempted a few times before we hit record, and I know I'm still not getting it uh, because there's some little undertones there that uh, my brain and mouth are unwilling to do. But I'm going to try Omer Zahir. Wow, that was the closest you've come, I think. Um, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> still, not, that's not a compliment Riley, to me. Still. I want you to be Indian like, you. Yeah. Riley's Riley, really good. Riley, why don't you it, why don't you introduce? Uh, Omer. Now the pressure's on. Now the pressure's on. Uh, Omer Zahir. Very good. Very ten stars. That's but when like I say Omer Zahir, <laughs> when I say Omer Zahir, Omer, you tell me I'm wrong because I'm pronouncing the O too much. But then when I hear it from Riley, he's pronouncing the O as much as I'm pronouncing the O. I think he has some secret Arab in him that you just don't have. You're good at everything else, but. Well, why don't you pronounce my last name and let's see. Apostle. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, correct. (laughs) It's not that. It's not Apostle. (laughs) Anyways, we're very excited to have you here. A lot of people behind the scenes probably don't know this, but if I have any animal questions, I love wildlife. I am surrounded by desert wildlife. And if I have questions... Omer's the first guy I go to on Instagram where I'm like, hey, what about this? What's this? How do I take care of this? What's going on? And uh, he's very quick to respond. Uh, he is a vet, right? Yes, I am an exotic animal veterinarian. So people send me their dog and cat questions all the time. And I'm like, IDK. I don't know. I mean, I know. No, you know. <laughs> you know. You didn't study that in school. You're no, just, they're did, just like, I did. And I did just exotics year. only. Okay. I guess you, start, you start with like the house wolf. pets and then... A wolf? Um, yeah, I started with dogs and cats. Their medicine's the best established. So you have to start at a good baseline before you go to weirder avenues. So I do know enough. But if you tell me to tell you the best dog food, I don't know. But if they say wolf food, you know exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do know that. <laughs> good. So if, and let's uh, 
hypothetically. So if there's a Survivor fan has a cat problem, cat issue, they want to ask you, but they know you're exotics only. They just have to say like leopard or cheetah yeah, or lion it's or lynx. something. It's yeah. going to be the, the same. Lynx. Yeah. It's like a lynx, you know, the closest related uh, wild cat to a house cat. That's what uh, I have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody has the true wild relative, which lives in the Middle East, but a lynx is a close enough one for North America or a Okay. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Uh, So that's a little workaround hack if you need some uh, advice for your non-exotic pet. What are your favorites to work with? I know you're a bird guy, right? I love birds. Um, mm-hmm. I think chickens are the best patients because they're so they're smarter than people think, and they just and don't they're considered over. exotic here now. Yes, I feel yes. like yes, we do see pet chickens. I don't see commercial chickens, um, and I love parrots and I love birds of prey when they come in because those are really birds of prey are actually quite stupid. Um, I'm more afraid mm-hmm. of a parrot than I would be of them um, because they're very predictable in their behavior. Whereas a parrot, they're smart. They can manipulate you. They should go on Survivor. They can hurt you with their words, even. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you you're you're like the parrot and then I think that coach is probably more like the hawk, you know. You think so? You think yeah. he's a killer? I think he, you know, he's very uh mighty, but uh I don't think he's as sneaky as a parrot. AKA okay. Tyson. <laughs> Good. So I'm the parrot, he's the hawk. Good to know. Yes. Uh, yes. And <laughs> on that note, uh, you are a new era of Survivor guy, and you've yes. experienced the game as these people are mostly experiencing it. What do you think so far of the season? I think I've, I've liked the season so far. I think that they're really doing an excellent job with casting. And I think that that is really making the show in spite of some of the other things that are going on. And I think mm-hmm. what's interesting about the new era of casting specifically is that I think basically what we were told is everybody that they pick has to be excellent and everybody has to sign on for them. And so I think that there's a much greater proportion of people that can actually win the game, which makes the whole game much more dynamic and you don't have to rest on twists as much. Whereas you know, back in the day, I don't mm-hmm. think that they casted Sandy K. Virgin to win Survivor, <laughs> nor um, Taco San Sierra. So I think that the the number of people that could actually win proportionally, I feel, is greater in the new era, which makes yeah. the game a lot harder to win um, in some ways. Um, obviously, the length of the time is different and there's depletion that we'll never understand. But uh, I think that you're competing against more true competitors unless it's an all-star season. And does that make the season better in general? Are you saying that because of the characters, these these most recent seasons are better than some of your all-time favorite classic seasons from the past? Is that what makes a great season? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Survivor super fan from the start. And so um, some of the nostalgia of the older seasons is never going to be better than what is currently on the TV. But I think that if you're looking at unpredictable gameplay, you're much less likely going to get a pagonging anymore. You're much less likely going to have people that are resting on their own um, game when it's not better than like people have more self-awareness, I feel. And if their game isn't up to par, they will take out the person in front of them. And it makes a more dynamic game. But at the same time, sometimes it may result in, you know, the most dominant player of the season not winning. And sometimes people don't like that. For me, I love a chaotic season. I love it to be unpredictable. And so if you have a winner that may be not the best player of the season, I find that still to be entertaining. But 
I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think the biggest thing is like they need to tell a really good story. And I think that they're doing that. But I think some of the um, additional twists, which would be great in older seasons where people weren't as dynamic game players and maybe they need more help to like change the game. I don't think that those things are as necessary anymore. So sometimes they get in the way of the game. So for instance, you know, you have three fake idols out there. Somebody like Sarah a few weeks ago has an immunity idol um, that she thinks is real. She is incentivized then to play a passive game because she has an out. Whereas if she doesn't have that, she is going to work harder or maybe flip on her original tribe to make something happen. And so I think that that sometimes gets in the way of what could be good gameplay otherwise. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Touching on that a little bit, who's your favorite uh, winner of the new era so far? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, I have to represent Canada and go with Marianne. I mean, she's okay. slayed me she slayed everybody else and she was a really big personality and i think what didn't come across on the tv is how strategic marianne was the whole time and you know people really saw her come on strong at the end but she was put in a position where she was lower on the totem pole but she still played that optimally so if you compare that to somebody like kane for instance this week you know kane um gets this information that from carson that he is going to be a split vote and he kind of runs right to the first person he sees and says, Kate, Carson just told me this. And that could put Carson in a really bad position. And it may be less, much less likely for him to give him information in the future. Whereas when Marianne was at the bottom, um, you know, I went to her and I said, they're coming for you right now. You need to sit at camp. Don't play your idol. Um, and pretend, but pretend like you're very, very confident and don't go inside conversations. And that's really hard to do for a super fan who knows that their name is on the block, but she did exactly that and she played it perfectly. And so she could play that part of the game very well, despite not being in the optimal position. And that's not to dunk on Kane, because I mean, obviously what he did worked, but that's just an example of why I think Marianne was such a strong player. So you don't like Kane? <laughs> I have to love Kane. He's a Saskatchewan boy. He's from Canada. <laughs> no, and I, 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 you need to bet on the Canadians. Yeah, you got to bet on the Canadians in this new era. Yeah, I... I agree. Uh, yeah, he played it wrong by throwing Carson under the bus unless he doesn't absolutely want to work with Carson, but then push it all on him. And uh, you're right. Like, And the way you approach Mariana sounds where you aren't tattletelling on anybody because tattletelling is a weapon. Yeah. But it, it doesn't it wasn't weaponized by Kane. He just right. did it and uh, ended up probably bothering Carson. Like, why would you do that? And then him be like, I don't know. Uh, sorry. And then that's a whole thing. So, do you have anybody is, like that on your seasons that was just too loose with that type of information where you couldn't give them that? Everybody, everybody, everybody. <laughs> and a returning season's even worse. Yeah, it's just like yeah. everybody wants to be in control the whole time of a returning season, and every single information that's ever passed gets passed to everybody else. And so, that's why you see this new era so yeah. often. People unwilling to name names. Because yeah. that's the number one thing you can use as a weapon against somebody is somebody said your name and this is who it was. And so everybody's like, uh, let's just like make this first letter of their name with our hands. Let's uh, <laughs> do you have a name? I don't have a name. Do you have a name? And then like somebody eventually falls for it and then it ends up biting them like, Josh, do you have a name? Oh, yeah, I got a name. Jam, jam. And you're like, okay, well, it's you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. it's you, but you said someone's name. Yeah, and that's I, like the trick. I think with um with the way that Kane delivered the information, 
It's interesting because now if I were Carson, I'd be very careful in what I told Kane moving forward. All the time. At the same time, um, I think this was a missed opportunity for Brandon because Carson is clearly playing a social game where he's making relationships with everybody and he's waiting for information to come to him and he's steering the game kind of behind the scenes, which is similar to how I approach the game. But it was very hard. It's a very hard game to detect unless something overt happens. Um, that lets people know that you are playing. And I think that a missed opportunity for Brandon here was when Kane went right to Brandon and said, Carson gave me this information. Because if I'm Brandon in that moment, and I know Carson is the leak here, then you have to realize that he's doing more than he's um, letting on. And when he did confront Carson, Carson was very good to be like, oh, stupid old me, like I made a mistake. And Brandon was very quick to eat that up. But I think that if you're really thinking, those are the moments of weakness where you can really try to under uncover somebody earlier than they would otherwise yeah i agree i think uh and you have to be observant in those moments as well let's start at the beginning of the episode here uh i know we already talked about uh your name pronunciation (laughs) how do you say bag 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 Bag. okay because i have heard (laughs) bag before uh i have uh some relatives from wisconsin and i think midwest some people do say more of a bag and they also, for a, a, a bagel, they say a bagel. Oh, oh that's, yeah. that should be illegal. Uh, so you could, say, you could say like a bag of bagels. I don't think anybody should ever say that. Personally. I don't either. But, uh, you know, but it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was another fun Carolyn moment. Yeah. And it led perfect into Josh being like, I'm stuck with Jam Jam and Carolyn, which is uh, <laughs> so 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 good for him uh i'm happy for him and then we get the tree mail all the way around how often do they give you tree mail now are you getting tree mail on this new era before every challenge still we're just not seeing it yeah we're getting it before every challenge sometimes you don't i don't know if it was different back in the day but sometimes you don't have to walk all the way over to get it no you never do the production yeah. team just kind of hands it to whoever they want to in the moment where yes. winners at war was like hey tony come here's your tree mail again read it to the th-. and then the next one like tony tony come over here here's tree mail will you read it to everybody uh next tree mail tony 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 can you read this to everybody T- tony come over read the next tree mail to everybody and i was just like oh that's telling very telling yeah yeah I mean, we we did sometimes get to make the full journey, and that was always a treat. But um, yeah, there's still tree mail, but it, you can almost kind of tell what the challenge is now. And I don't know if it was more, more discreet before, but they do give you a very good idea of what it can really? be. Really? Yeah, like um, they'll be like balancing a ball, and you know it's either you know the one like this where you're holding the sticks up, or the one where you're holding it above your head. But you know the gist of what the challenge is, at, at least to like within the category. I feel like. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting uh, because I think there was a time where if you could figure out, there was clues. Right. And then there was a time where the rhyme did not matter at all. And, so, and sometimes <laughs> it didn't even rhyme and the clue didn't even matter. Yeah, like it had no, <laughs> there was no, no hint as to what it was. Yeah. And so it'd be like, on this challenge, you must work hard to do your thing to stay in the game. And you're like, uh, can s-, and somebody be like, maybe it's throwing balls. You're like, Maybe it's anything (laughs) like there's nothing to go off of here. So that's interesting. So now you can kind of get a hint and a clue. Are they going to have to adjust this now, though? Because 
well, not just this, but the challenges in general. We see Carson, yep. you know, mastering these puzzles before he even comes out to the game. Are they going to have to switch it up every time or now like throw some extra pieces in and be like, three pieces don't belong. Give us the three that don't. Like, what yeah. is the, what's the play here for the challenge team to make sure or do they want this to keep happening? I don't know if they should want it to continue happening, to be honest, because I find like, I mean, if you're looking at a puzzle, you're testing a very specific skill set on a person. Um, You're not testing the ability to memorize a specific outlay and then repeat it later on. You're testing the ability to figure it out. And I think that that's being lost in um, where people are now kind of gaming the system. And before I didn't, even though I was a super fan, I didn't really realize that sometimes the shapes of the pieces were the exact same. So the puzzle that you went out on in Winners at War with the star that you put up. Oh, for the record, was not me. Wait, yeah, that you didn't do it. Yeah, I didn't do it. I watched Nick and Sarah try for like literally over (laughs) half an hour. Yes, like the longest, the longest (laughs) I'd ever seen a pairing do. We were so far in front. Yeah, Nick and Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't choose them to go on the puzzle. Yeah, wait, but how, how did they end up on the puzzle? How is it Nick and Sarah? <laughs> Nick's like, I've done this before. And I think Sarah was the same. And I was like, that doesn't give me much more confidence. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, both of them just botched it so hard. And uh, I don't want to call them both idiots, but... I mean, you know, the shoe fits, you know? Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I thought of two replacements, but nevertheless. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah so that puzzle was the same one that we had on our season. And I, you know, when I went back and looked at it after, cause I had won that challenge, I was like, Oh, like the key to the puzzle was that there's two flat pieces at the bottom. Whereas if you did one flat and one L shape, then it wouldn't line up. And if I had just seen that and looked at it before, it would have been a lot easier to do in the moment. And so I think that some of these puzzles, even if it's the same puzzle, just change the formula to it. And it can be a lot more dynamic. And I think that that's something that they'll probably start doing would be my hope. But uh, I think it's cool that it's happened and it's gotten to that point, but I think now they need to change it. It's also similar to the, you know how they had to sometimes do the code with the three numbers and yeah. how the number, We're three numbers were almost the same. same Hopefully numbers, they yeah. change that too. But I think it's um, interesting that it's happened, but now they need to take it a different direction. I, I agree. And I, I mean, it gets tricky because like having to redesign a puzzle when you already have these props built, but there must be ways to adjust the props a little bit to make it different or throw in a trick somewhere here or there, like an extra piece, like a couple extra pieces on that tree puzzle would definitely have, you know, put some, some wrenches in it all. Definitely. Definitely. But I mean, kudos to Carson because, um, man, he burned through that so fast. Yeah. Although sometimes people have done that in the past and it hasn't helped at all. Like I think David Wright did a bunch of that. So when he said it didn't help him at all, I didn't really think about doing it, but, um, now we know better. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not a homework guy in general. So even <laughs> if I am seeing it help people, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably smart enough. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll figure it out. And if not, well, then uh, shame on me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rest so, in peace, Sudokus. <laughs> yeah, RIP. Still never learned. <laughs> never will. Never will. <laughs> well, it was funny because Danny said that he did all of that in pregame and we had the exact same book. So like, I ran yeah. through all the same Sudoku and it's, it's crazy that little things like that will come up later in life, but yeah, maybe they should have given is. you that in Ponderosa. They should have. Yeah. You think it was a setup? Yeah, for sure. The, the fix was in a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we know he's never done this. The it's executive Tyson. producer, I think might be Sierra Reed too. She was behind. Oh, it, it could time. be. Yeah. yeah. Dang it. Yeah. 
man, the long con. Outfoxed by an idiot, you know? Yeah, ten, ten year, 15 years. <laughs> 15 years later, I get burned by her. Let's go to the, the dropping of the buff. Yeah. Now we have this little window, sliver of time in between where you're neither a tribe nor a merge. You're not a tribe at all, I guess. Yep. No tribe. Mergatory. Yeah. And Kane said something there where he feels naked without his buff. Did you feel that? Yes. Because I've yes. lost a buff before and I felt that. Yes. Yes. Because I, that's what I put over my head at nighttime so that yes. nothing crawls in my ears and yeah. or my nose or my mouth. So it felt very, very weird and yeah. gross. Like you're it wide open. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very to exposed. Just very, very vulnerable. violated by an insect or whatever. <laughs> yes. what, uh, what did you do? on that night or two, how many nights were you without a buff? Um, just one night. And yeah. I basically, actually it might've been two, but I, um, I bundled up as much as I could. I put my t-shirt over my face and that was mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I felt so winners at war, the family visit, I told my wife to steal my buff and take it. But then I wanted to give her enough time to be on a plane out of there so that they yeah. didn't go to Ponderosa and be like, we know you have it. So I waited and waited and waited and then died probably two days because I was like, she's probably out of here by now. Yeah. And then I went and I was like, I lost my buff. And they're like, did you give it to your wife? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, it's okay if you did. Did you? And I was like, no. And they're like, it's fine. We're going to give you a new buff. But did you? And I was like, no, I didn't. And they're like, okay. And I did. Oh, so funny. Wait, yeah. what, what's the idea behind this? Because they don't let Spoilers. you keep your buffs at the end of the... They take them from you and then they give them to you. Because if you have a merge buff and all of a sudden you're skiing in it, like Chris, what's his... Chris Underwood. Uh, oh, Underwood. Oh, yeah. Then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like, oh, he wins his way back in. Or they made the merge if you're sharing photos of you in it. So for uh, token chains, they gave me... They kept my buffs that I had, my tribe buff and the merge buff. And then put them in a Ziploc bag with my name. And at the finale, production gave them back to you. Yeah. So blood versus water, you burned your buff. So you didn't even have it. So you're just like burning your polyester buff over an open fire in the gorgeous, beautiful tropics. Uh, Nothing can go wrong. Br breathing in the like purple and green <laughs> smoke. Yeah. So, so now uh, they take them from you again. Is that is that the play there? Yeah. Yeah, they take him from. Well, we I, we got it back after the season, but when you like, we we dropped our buffs at a challenge, and so we yeah. threw them, and then it's like, who so knows it's if not you got yours, yours yeah. back, or you, somebody else's disgusting buff. Yeah. Like I don't know, you got somebody else's buff right buff. now. Yeah, yeah, and he was wiping his ass with it and everything, <laughs> and you, you're wearing it on your face, still unclean because you're saving it in all its exactly. Filth. It's really horrific, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you washed it? Um, I think they came washed, but I haven't taken it off oh. bag yet. Yeah, I think they do yeah. wash them for you, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, the merge buff, I'm confident, was mine that I got back because they take it right from you, um, yeah. but not the pre-merge one. But yeah. this might be better because they're doing it at camp, so it's like very clear who's at who, so maybe it'll be better. <laughs> yeah, it could be. We go to Carson. He tells Brandon and Kane about the merge idol, the expiration, like it's expiring. Good or bad? Why? Why do this here? I think without knowing more information, you should not do that. But we have to remember that Jamie and Josh both know. So somebody's going to figure it out. You have to get ahead of the story in that situation, I feel. So I think it was the right call. Um, and I think that he did it in a way that wasn't threatening. Like you were hiding something from us. It's like, oh, like I, I couldn't tell you. But now I'm telling you as soon as I can. So I think it was a very good move for him personally. 
Okay. Yeah. I think the, yeah, if, if in that context, it is the right move. If you know that you're going to probably get found out soon, then being the first to share the information is always so much more powerful. Why is it so powerful? Like I say this all the time and it's always true and it could be a lie. It could be truth, but whoever comes with the information first is the person that you are believing, whether or not they're telling a lie or a, a truth. We have to tell a good lie, not a stupid lie, as I once said. But yeah. yes, I think the information is power in the game. And the thing is, you're going to a game where you don't trust anybody. Nobody trusts each other. You are fighting for power and you're stripped of everything that makes you comfortable. So you're in a very vulnerable state. So when there's a few things that are tangible to let you know whether to trust somebody or not, that in this game, it's either you're blindsided or not. But other than that, it's currency and currency, there is information. And so if you have a piece of information that was brought to you first, and you later verify that that's true, or you suspect it to be true, it's much easier to be like, okay, I'm looking for anything to have a sign that I can trust somebody. And that's really what it is. It's the it is the money in the game, which is why fire tokens are not necessary because information is the most valuable currency, I think. And I think knowing when to keep information tight versus give it away is also very important because it does lose some power. It's like overprinting money, you'll lose power if you give it everything away. And so I think um, you know, sometimes you know, giving information is best, but also sometimes withholding it is as well. And I think on my seat like People are like, oh, you spilled people's secrets and got them voted out. But there's a lot of secrets that I kept um, to kind of keep an alliance tight. Tell us the darkest, deepest secret of someone you've kept. <laughs> I kept? I can't say that. I'll tell you off the top. Yeah, I have a funny story about that, actually. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Join the Patreon page yeah. and uh, you'll get to hear uh, Omer tell us uh, all about the deepest, darkest secret he's ever heard from someone. <laughs> We don't, we don't have a Patreon page. Fair enough. Perfect. It's uh, just us. Not yet. It's just us. Not yet. Here we go. This Maybe is the we start collecting it. some dark secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Every episode, someone has to share a dark secret. Josh, let's get to Josh then, because Josh is sharing information too. Ooh, what do you think about his <laughs> scattered information share? Is this chaos that he's creating about whether or not he has a, an idol good, bad, poor, loose? What, what are your beliefs on this? My so my first instinct was this is terrible. Like you are mm-hmm. telling one person one thing, another person something completely different. You don't really have relationships with either one of them. So and it's very easy for people to take that and run with it when they don't know anything about you. And I think the thing with Josh as well, um, I mean he was my winner pick, rest in peace, but um he I think is hiding a lot of stuff about his real life, and that really comes across when you're out there, like people will withhold information about themselves. And it there it's a barrier that you, it's not always tangible because you think you're still talking and socializing. But when you're withholding, people kind of know that. And then there's already this barrier between you. So for instance, like on our season, Romeo was hiding a lot of his job. Like we didn't know he was a producer. We didn't know. I mean, at some point he's like, I need to get married. And we were like, you're acting like you're like 50, but you're 30, like chill. And then we found out he's 37. I was like, okay, and I get the urgency a little bit more. But, you know, he's hiding a lot about himself and he couldn't really connect with everybody as much. And I think the same is true for Josh out here. And, you know, when he's telling these people all these different stories and they don't have a basis of a relationship to keep it secret, then it's going to end up blowing up in his face and making people not trust him further. However, in a weird way, 
this one kind of worked out because, <laughs> <how> I felt. <laughs> because and i think the reason is because like if you have a fake idol and you tell everybody it's real but they suspect it's fake they're gonna know that you're lying whereas if you're telling some people it's fake and some people it's real then like the the default thing that you would think for that is that it actually is real and you're telling some people because you trust them and hiding it from others so in a weird way it kind of worked but i i think overall his social position in the game was too poor for it to really um pay out i think yeah i i honestly because i had written down i was like okay he tells brandon he's got a real idol then he tells uh jamie he doesn't have anything i was like this is bad and then we see the conversations of people like, what does he have? Does, is it real or is it fake? I don't know. I think it's real because he said he was. Uh, and then so then I was like, oh, this could be pretty good. But then I also, after all of that, I was like, but now everybody's talking about Josh. And that's yeah. the thing you don't want is everybody talking about you. Yeah. And I guess the best case scenario was that they realized it was or they think it's real. But there's so many people and you have no real allies that there's split options available there's plenty of split options available. So then now you're incentivizing them to like split on you with you as the primary and you actually have no protection. So I think it kind of worked, but it wasn't, but I think he was in a tough place to begin with. I do want to go back in time. Uh, uh, right at the start, uh, we get a uh, sequence from Josh uh, right at the top of the episode saying he feels on top of the world. He said, because he's still there. I know it's because Matthew got pulled from the game for his uh, shoulder injury. He was so happy about that. Yes, he couldn't Like he's like, yes. I mean, I'm so sorry, Matthew. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry for his maybe permanent injury, but yeah. yes. Uh, how do you mask that? Is there a way to even mask that, or or you just have to celebrate <laughs> someone else's uh, uh, painful demise? Um, I think you just try to keep a straight face. Just pretend, like you know, and then maybe like a little pout, like. Like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And then you can like internally be happy. But, you know, we did experience one situation that was kind of a medevac, but yeah. it was on day three and it was still so early. And the problem with that is, you know, everyone was devastated about that. Even though like Jackson probably was going to be the first person voted out of our tribe, at least at that point in time, we yeah. still were very sad to see him go because we didn't really want to see somebody leave in that way. And also from, so from a personal standpoint, I think everybody feels for Matthew. We all felt for Jackson. From a strategic sense, sometimes people leaving the game is helpful for you if you don't have to do it. However, it didn't. It wasn't good for us strategically either because we got put down a person against two other tribes within right. days of the game starting. That's probably how Tika felt this season as well, losing Bruce. So um, I think it's for Josh. I mean, he had a stay of execution like probably twice now in the game. So this was our two or three. He was on the cusp of going home every time. I guess for me, I'm like wondering why Soka is so quick to like throw Josh to the wolves and get, get rid of him. I don't and know. Like they spent so much time protecting him. Like why, if they, if they wanted him that bad, why not keep Claire around? Like, I don't really, I don't really get that, but do you have any thoughts on that? I don't really, other than, for some reason, they were like, he's strong and we can't lose any more challenges at all whatsoever. And he's at least looks physically fit, you know, like that's that's it's weird. And then even like you said, like they come together and all of them are like, we got to get Josh. We should get Josh. We got to get yeah. Josh. We can't. So I don't know if he did something where they really mistrusted him or if they just were like set on it because you do set wheels in motion. And once those wheels get set in motion, it's way easier to see it through and it's safer to see it through than to target him 
and then pull back and then have somebody be like, hey, yo, they were targeting you. Like that's the scary part. So I feel like once the wheels are in motion to get rid of somebody, most people are continuing to push that direction as much as they can to just like, because like you said, it's like the information is the power. And so everybody that's talked about getting rid of Josh has this information. The first person to bring it to Josh is going to be the most trusted by him. And so everybody involved there wants to silence Josh. But, yeah. And I agree. And I think, I that's just it. think it's, it's just interesting because like, it's almost like they took two half measures. It's, it's like, if you're going <laughs> to save him so you don't lose another challenge and then dispose him at the first opportunity, like what was the difference of just keeping him around and then voting out Claire if you lose another challenge? Like it didn't yeah. really, that part didn't really make sense. And I think, uh, I think probably what it came down to would be my guess. It's just that Josh was with, I think he's also very, very lean. And I'm sure you went through that your first time out. Like the deprivation probably hits you a lot more earlier on. No, I'm invincible out fine. there, bro. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Yeah, because I'm a cyclist where I'm supposed to be as light as possible that's true. as a pro cyclist. So I was yeah. always malnourished, underfed. Right. Like right. that's like the name of the game in cycling is a manager picking, uh, pinching your calf muscle and being like, right. uh, um, you could lose five more pounds. You're like, I could. And they're like, yep. You're <laughs> like, okay, what do I get to eat? You get tuna fish salad until you are five pounds lighter. Oh, so you have been training for that your whole life. So you yeah, were, that's you were used to that. Yeah. I think and Josh probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah. No, the muscles, those big muscly guys, I think always struggle with the deprivation and like the, they need so many calories to feed those muscles and yeah. And I think he, um, you know, he's, he's, he's taking a harder hit from the elements earlier on. He's hiding stuff about his life and not really fully connecting with people. I think his tribe just probably sent something that they didn't trust about that. And it was really hard once you've lost trust and it, he didn't really do anything overt that we saw at least, you know, someone like Chanel in our season was put on the outs because of that whole tribal council where she lost a vote and things got really crazy. And then when we got to the merge, like there was this dynamic where nothing Chanel could say or do was looked as trustworthy even if she was telling the truth even if she wasn't being sneaky even if she wasn't doing anything you know they have that that target on them that doesn't go away very easily and i think josh is in the same situation where he put he got himself into a place where he didn't have a lot of social capital or trust in in anybody so everything he did people would take the negative for it and the same thing is and i think that happens on every season of survivor it's just a weird way that social dynamics play out like um, there's certain people that can't go off for talks without being sneaky, but other people can. There's people that can um, go look for an idol and it's fine, whereas other people can't. So I think that Josh had a very big uphill battle. But the thing is, I don't think he realized that he did. And that was the the problem there because he was misreading everybody, um, basically trusting him when they didn't. Yeah, that's interesting. You do have to, and it's true. It's It's all true. You have to be self-aware of how everyone's perception of you is and not everyone's perception of you is the same even so while it's okay for someone to go look for idols in front of some people other people may be put on high alert by that and you have to know based on each individual uh, relationship where that boundary is with everybody and how they perceive you threat wise and threat level and all of that and act accordingly to put them at ease as much as possible. So Josh was not doing that. Yeah. And between him and Jam Jam, that relation and Caroline, the the relationship broke down so much. And what I wanted to ask you was like, it seemed like in part of the episode, they were like, 
basically we're not, we're done with each other. Like we're, we don't care. Like we're going to do everything we can to get the other person out. And it's like, they, they, it, it wasn't just a negative. It wasn't just a neutral non-alliance relationship. It was an actively bad one. And it's cutting somebody off in the game as a non really workable option. And, you know, when, going into it, I always thought like, you should keep an open relationship with everybody, regardless of what it is. But then I was thinking about your game. And like the first time that you play, like, um, it almost seemed at some point that Sierra was just completely cut off. But it wasn't like you did that in season subsequently. So is that something that you consciously changed? Or is it situational? It's situational, for sure. You have to, I think that there's moments where cutting someone off like that, I'm not saying that Token Chains and Sierra was the right move then, but definitely later on down the road, like Blood versus Water, there was uh, there was a moment with Katie, Tina's daughter, where I was like, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I want to work with you. I think we can work together. Let's try this. And then she immediately like was like, oh, she was like, okay, yeah, let's try it. And then she immediately, like, so basically what I said was, I was I'm going to tell you how to vote right before you, you, we, we go to tribal council. You vote the way I tell you to vote. And then we're going to have a conversation about uh, being allies uh, tonight after the vote. And she's like, okay. And I was like, anybody gets wind of this and anybody comes back to me with the information that I had this conversation with you, you're done. We're done. Yeah. And she said, okay, uh, I have to go talk to Sierra Easton, but it's not about uh, what you just said. Two minutes later, Sierra's like, did you tell Katie you were going to tell her how to? And I was like, she's lying, bro. We got to get rid of her immediately. And everybody's like, okay. And so I think like, in those moments where I think that you do have to, it's not every season, it's not every time, but there's moments where you have to be like in front of your main alliance, be like, you are dead to me, to whoever it is. Yeah. And it can be full truth, half truth, whatever it is. But I definitely do think that sometimes that's more powerful. Also, I believe like you shouldn't generally argue with people. Right. Because that cuts them off. But there was a moment after a tribal council where Tina came back and started tearing into Jervis and Monica. And they were kind of like, uh, and they were my guys. So I was like, it's more powerful for me now to step in and defend them and tell her she's wrong than to sit back and let it play out. And normally I would just sit back and let it play out. But I was like, and it did it like, you know, it won, especially Monica over more as she was like, thank you for standing up for me. I was like, yeah, like she came back and Tina was like, Jervis, Tina, I'm or Jervis, Monica, I'm not going to vote for you in the finals. Monica, we promised you fifth. Jervis, blah, 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 blah. You guys all, we had a deal with us. And then you went back and I was like, Tina. I think I actually called her Tina Wesson. I think I was like, Tina Wesson. <laughs> I was like, let's go around this circle here. Everybody who voted for, because she was mad that we uh, voted out Aris. So it's like, let's go around the circle. Everybody that voted Aris. And you tell us if you were going to take them to final three. And she was like, okay. I was like, Hayden. And she's like, no. And I was like, Monica, were you going to take Monica to final three? She's like, no. I was like, were you going to take Jervis to final three? She's like, no. What about Sierra? No. Me? No. Okay. Then what are you even like? What is <laughs> you? Yeah. Why are you here right now yelling at us? Yeah. But I think in that situation, you're not really like the aggressor. You're responding in a sense. And um, I mean, Monica, what a neat lady, you know? Was, yeah, she is a neat lady. <laughs> She's a neat lady. So I, yeah. So I think that there's a time and a place to do that. And it's just, it's all numbers. Yeah. Like, what is going to lock in the majority with you even more? Yeah. If you have to alienate somebody in the hopes of, like, even on the edge of extinction, winners at war, there was a moment where Natalie was deciding to give the idol 
to me or to give it to Parv. And I also could see that there was a rift forming between Natalie and some of the old school players. Like she wasn't really getting along with Boston Rob and Amber. She wasn't really getting along with Ethan that much. She wasn't, you know, and so I had to distance myself from some of my closest friends out there in the hopes of getting Natalie to hand over that idol for me. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like support Natalie and turn my back on the people I've known for a decade uh, and not fully turn my back on them, just yeah. like keep a little bit more distance yeah. in the hopes of getting that idol. Yeah. Um, so for Alliance, no more. But um, <laughs> yeah. But they, yeah, I think in this situation, like between Josh and Jam Jam, especially, I don't think that, I think that what you're saying is, you know, we, we, conflict is not necessarily something that can never happen, but it should be for a purpose and it should be for a goal. And I think these two just could not get on the same page. And I think it hurt both of their games. And I think that that was not great for them. And I think as well, when you're coming into a merge where you have three different tribes coming, I feel like all of your seasons were two going into one, correct? But when there's three different groups and the majority of people have not overlapped, um, I feel like it is the strongest core that is going to win out the day because um, people are going to gravitate towards um, the easy option, especially at first when they don't know enough about everybody. And when you have internal strife within the very few people that you know and are talking to, I think that that is a magnet for attention and a magnet for the target. And I think it did not. And maybe they both got the majority of the votes. The the problem here, and it's true, you're, what you're saying is accurate, but if you're looking at someone's face, Josh and Jam Jam, and you're saying, let's work together, and they're saying yes, but you know they are not. They are lying to yeah. you. You have to target him. You can't yeah. not target him at that point. You're looking at him. He's smiling at you. You can see in his eyes that he has no intention of working you with you whatsoever. Like You can't now sit back and let him make moves against you while you're sitting back, assuming you're good-ish. Yeah. I guess it's how did they even get there and, to begin with. And it that's where really they were sense. stuck. They were stuck yeah. there. So once they got to that point where they're both smiling in each other's faces, but not fully trusting the other one, even through one or two votes, yeah. you can't, you, you have to, at that point, put your foot on the gas because you're going to get got if you do nothing. Yeah. The Mortal Kombat finished them, but I feel like their <laughs> social missteps were much earlier in terms of what they were of each like, other. Why was it even like this is, is they needed to go wild. back and be like, we're three. That's not yeah. very many people. Let's work together. Let's figure yeah. it out. I'm with you guys 100%. I know things didn't go our way, but somebody had to be voted out and they're gone. And now it's us. Yeah. And uh, that conversation never happened. And on a similar uh, note, Jamie, Jamie has been great because she is, well, she has so much energy and it's very infectious. And I love every line of her being like, I am the most valuable, important, knowledgeable person in this whole game. I think it's so funny, but she does kind of have a point in the sense that she has the most relationships with everybody going into the merge. She said she's the MVP. Yes, <laughs> she, she certainly is the MVP, but she has all the Ratu relationships and all the Soka relationships. And she really, like if she utilized those allies well, could be the person that directs the vote of the merge the most. Um, but do we think that she did? I mean, I guess ultimately she kind of got what she wanted. So I think it did work, whether that was because of her or otherwise. Um, I mean, obviously we don't know that for sure. Probably but I think jam, that, jam. But I think in a, yeah, I think in a weird way she truly was the person in the best position, but is she utilizing it well? And how would you play that? I mean, is she in the best position? The one thing about her is 
she has a fake immunity idol that she doesn't know is right. fake. And the only person who knows it's fake is no longer in the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she does have that, but also, uh, and that will be fun to play out. Like these are the moments that as a viewer, I'm very excited to see them play out as a player. I would be like mortified of like the fake idols floating around. But as a viewer, I'm like, yeah, let's see somebody play that and look like an idiot on national TV <laughs> for my benefit. Like I want to see that. But the, the problem with Jamie here saying, yeah, she's, the uh, MVP and she's the most connected, like people A, have to recognize that. And also what what makes her more connected than a Carson or, you know, somebody that, yeah. or even Josh, like they also have already been on two separate tribes. And then uh, the other thing too is it's not always in your favor, like her leaving her tribe. Now what conversations has her tribe have had while she was on the other tribe? Yeah. You know, like Very she's, true. she's absent from those conversations. And so I think that in those moments, you can't, you have to assume the position that you're at in the game as your position. You can't go on your past position in the game with a different group of people and add that to your current, like you can be like, yeah, I know some of the things going on, but who knows what different relationships developed? Who knows what relationships exploded? Like it's a 26 day game. Yeah. Things happen fast. And yeah. so I think that she may be thinking she's better positioned than she truly is based on the few days that she was absent from that tribe. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that Carson is in a similar position, but played it a lot better. And I think that what I really like about Carson's game right now is he's trying to, you know, have his he has his new tribe, his new relationships, his new alliances, but he also has his original ones that clearly trust him very much. You know, Carolyn trusts him 99.9%. So he is trying to keep them safe, um, but from a more covert standpoint of not all being all together and being seen as a voting block. And I think that that is um, a successful, that is the key to success, I feel like, in the new era right now. Because when people see uh, an alliance or a group, they always target them. And, yeah. you know, even going back to our season, when we got to the merge, you know, the two other tribes that we merged with were very all over the place and like targeting each other. Whereas our group, we were all so different. Like Jonathan and I don't have a lot in common <laughs> in real life. Um, Lindsay and I don't have a lot in common in real life. Marianne's a really loud, energetic person. And we um, are very different in terms of like day-to-day -day vibes. Like I have a side that's kind of like her, but it's like maybe two or three percent of the time, not a hundred. So we were all able to like go and have different relationships. We weren't seen together that much, but we had a very strong trusting core. So we were able to like eliminate people. And we got down to like eight people. People were like, oh, it's weird that all four of you are still here. And we're like, yeah, it's it's a coincidence. We had no idea this would happen. But I think that with Carson, he's also trying to accomplish like a secret covert alliance within a greater group. The only thing is that, you know, that also comes at a cost. So you know, for me, the cost was I would spend a lot of time away from those people. Um, but knowing that we had trust, but when it came down to a smaller group, it was easier for them to turn on me. And for him, he has been away from Jam Jam and Carolyn for quite a bit of time. They bonded in a weird way that's different, some positive, some negative, but it's stuff he did not experience. And so later on down the line, you know, he may be more expendable to them as well. So I think it's, there's, there's a, there's a pro of doing that and that you might set up your alliance for success, but a con in that if you're not spending time with the actual people that you're going to be in the end game with, then there's time for those relationships to fall apart. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a balance for sure, but also 
it's easier said than done, even. Yeah. Like what Carson's telling them is great, but you gravitate towards the people you, A, enjoy the most, which I don't think they necessarily enjoy each other the most, but also who you trust the most. And that, yeah. if that is the case that those three trust each other the most, then Carolyn, every time she has a conversation, she's going to find a time to come back to them and people are going to start noticing that as they gravitate towards each other after they have conversations throughout the game. And uh, it's a very hard balance. I think that every season on Survivor, it's some people's goal to have those alliances that are hidden. You're trying to hide your alliances. Yeah. Uh, you should try to hide all of your alliances, but it's hard to do. I mean, Matthew and Franny are probably the best at doing it. Uh, <laughs> anybody we've ever seen in the history of Survivor. I mean, they did sneak it past Jamie. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Nothing gets by hers. <laughs> yeah, she's the MVP, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you like this sequence with uh, Carolyn trying to fit in uh, during uh, right at tribe gathering? I don't even know what you yes, people gathering. Yes. I like how they edited it. I thought it was very interesting because it's kind of like getting in her mind. But also, yeah. I really this is exactly why Carolyn is a great player. And I think that, you know, she recognizes about herself what's difficult for her. And for her, it's, you know, ingratiating herself in those first few moments of meeting people. And I relate to that a lot. That's I, I don't like meeting people for the first time. Like I felt like our two week quarantine. So this is horrific for you. The, um, well, I feel like I've known you for years, sir. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw you naked on TV the first time. You That's were true. Fun. A lot so, of people don't know that I was naked yeah. on TV at some point. Yeah. At some point in time. Um, yeah. So I think with, you know, the two week quarantine helped me because I was like, at least I see these people before going in. So I have a familiarity with them. And, you know, she is very conscious of what that, that does for her and for her game and how to try to approach it. And she has so much self-awareness for somebody that is so outwardly kooky. And I think that that is, and she's very smart and people don't know that. And so I think she, of all the people, has the best percentage of reads on the situations so far that we've seen. And she does that. She uses that information very well. Like case in point, how she knows Josh's idol is fake and how everybody else like will disregard or not listen to her when she's giving them like she's analyzed and knows exactly what's going on. And I think it's great that we saw a vulnerable side of her being like, this is what I struggle with and this is how I'm going to get around it. And I, it made it very relatable. So I thought that was excellent. And I think it's also with Carolyn, like she's this big personality. You know, this is like the front and center for the last two seasons, especially like Marianne, Gabler, big personalities who on no normal season, maybe like a Philip Shepard or like, a coach his first and second time out is never going to win is there for a distraction um and and it's easy to underestimate but now these people that have these big personalities actually do know the game and so they and i think the most successful people in the new era are those who are underestimated and what better way to be underestimated than being a kooky character um but actually smarter than they are leading on i agree i think uh we go into the challenge well let's let's touch on this first with Carolyn. Uh, so her team wins the merge feast and she's sitting there and she knows that Josh's idol is fake. In this moment, I wrote down that she could have and should have lied to get her point across even more. Like be like, Josh told me it's fake. He showed me this and this. Like there's ways to prove the truth by lying. And right. if that's what you have to do to get your point across, you have to. Like, I, I, I don't think like she said her thing 
And people did not believe. And that drove her nuts. And she just let it be and was like, oh, I don't know what else more to do. And that's a struggle. Uh, I personally would have built a lie that pretty much was Josh told me it's fake. Josh showed me it's fake. Josh did this. I helped Josh make the whatever I whatever I had to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very true. And I think that it's a really good point that you always have to think on your feet and maybe pivot when you don't, um, when you weren't expecting something. I think for her at the end of the day, it didn't really matter that much because she's immune yeah. and like um, they're putting the majority of votes on Josh anyways. And it's right. almost like good for her in a sense. I think overall, even though it was frustrating for her, it still puts her in a very good position because they clearly don't off the bat trust or respect her opinion. And that is what is going to make her more successful in the long term. So you're thinking that the less I can have people respect me <laughs> as a player. On as a long as you can season. prove it later. <laughs> <laughs> but people are not respected and then they never prove it. And then it's... <laughs> okay. So that's the trick. Is yes. Would you go so far as to say the goal is to get disrespected no. throughout the majority <laughs> of the season only to then earn the respect right at the end when people realize that you were uh, purposely being putting yourself in positions to be disrespected. I think it's, uh, I wouldn't say quite as far as disrespect. I think, you know, you want to set the bar low. Okay. In life, the motto is you set the bar low and exceed expectations. You know, a sick rabbit comes in and I'm, I tell him, you know, it's, it's going to die. It's going to die like, every time. But we can try. And then if it survives, like, great. Um, I'm just Tell your friends I'm the greatest vet ever. But, <laughs> exactly. But uh, I think I'll set the bar low and exceed expectations. And I think the problem with some people is that they, they don't, they're not conscious that they're doing that. And then at the end, they'll be like, I was really a mastermind the whole time, but they have nothing to prove it, you know? And I think that that is um, something that Carolyn is smart enough that she could do. And she can point to tangible things where she had all the information and the right reads and did it correctly. And so being in a position now where people overlook her, I think is actually good for her game. As long as she doesn't let her ego get in the way of being like, I have to prove myself right now. If she can like keep these things, file them away and, and then present them in a credible manner later. And that's the difficult is like the, the difficult part is the credible manner. Um, but she has evidence that she's lined up so far that's worked. If she can do that, I think she can win unexpectedly. Yeah, I think she's in a great position, honestly, to win. And she hasn't made really any big notable blunders. And I think most everyone else on the season has to some degree, which is always a good sign from an editing standpoint. If you're looking at the editing, uh, it's, you know. The Survivor editors are very savvy and have led us down roads before that are not uh, the winner that we thought would be. But right now, she looks pretty good. Let's go to the challenge real quick where they're ro rolling the ball. So we have these teams. They're split up randomly. Do you like the random split? Do you want it to be a schoolyard pick? What is the most, I mean, the most fair if we want to be fair, is probably a schoolyard pick. Put the fate in those people's hands themselves. But randomness is also, I guess, fair in that nothing is chosen for them. Yeah. I mean, I think that pickums are not... I don't think pickums are fair for everybody in this sort of situation because then the first person has a lot of power to like set up so they have a majority and then somebody easily pick off at the end. And the people towards that are on the bottom or not allied with the people that start the captains are at a disadvantage. So I think in this sort of situation, um, 
random is probably best. But I think for things like rewards, they should do the pick them because it can lead to, you know, tension and drama. Drawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that is situationally good. I mean, the other thing that I thought they could do is like, okay, pick somebody to that you'll stick with and then it's random from there. So it's like six random draws and that way there's some social decision in who you pick. But um, I, I do really like the concept of the mergatory vote because it can make, if half the people are immune and everybody's voting, it really constricts options. And this is where, um, you know, things got really, really tricky for me to play the game because all my allies were on the block and my other ally high was vulnerable and Tori was the target and she won immunity and that all that left was Lydia and you had to get a lot of creative gameplay to get her out. It's a similar situation here where, you know, if you have only a very constricted number of people vulnerable, you have to be play better or play different, but it also split the tribe down the middle in terms of power dynamic because the people who are voting, but don't, but can be voted out, they, don't have a ton of power. Whereas the people who are safe, that's really when you can make your move because it can't backfire on you. And I thought that a lot of those people kind of played it a little bit passively, but you know, they all got what they wanted. So it wasn't necessarily a bad thing in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. If you are immune, that's the opportunity to push a little harder, push your agenda, make yourself a little more seen if you have to. Um, they were rolling these giant balls around and a couple <laughs> times Carolyn got rammed by one. And I'm thinking, as I'm seeing the ramming, these balls are super heavy. Yeah. I'm purposely ramming the other team a little <laughs> bit. No, are we yeah, not doing that? control easily. Like, oh, oops. You just slow <laughs> just them down. Fun. They're <laughs> going to be on your tribe. You know, in that's a, why you yeah, make it look like It's an accident. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, it slipped the wrong way. We couldn't You're not doing that, it. Riley? No, I mate, I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm as villainous as you are, I guess, is what we're learning. Yeah, <laughs> you're the hero. He's the villain. I'm, I'm a strategist. And if there's <laughs> strategy to ramming someone to have them yeah, maybe, maybe damage their another Achilles person. a little yep, bit. A permanent injury, they go home, you get to celebrate again. Yeah, and then me and Josh and Carolyn and Jam Jam can all <laughs> high five over someone getting hurt. <laughs> this is the next evolution of survivor strategy. You never go to tribal council. You just injure the people that you need Ouch. to go home. It has yeah. to be an accident. Like you can't do that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. We can take can't away all their blankets. Purpose. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Totally an accident. But I the giant ball thing, like they've done that so many times now. And it is, um, it's quite the endeavor. And that's one of the tree mails that was like, you'll roll your way to success. And we were like, is it going to be a giant ball? But they haven't done that in forever. But um, it's, I feel like it's not as heavy as people think it is, but it, it's still obviously very bulky. It's bulky. It's heavy, but you know everybody has to lift it, so they yeah. can't make it so so bulky. But I did like how, yeah, they had to fight for position through some of the obstacles yes. and stuff like that. That's where you're ramming. That's where you're yeah. ramming. coming through. Yeah. Move your ball out of the way or get it over there because <laughs> we're gonna ram Achilles until we get over this thing. Yeah. And this was actually a good way for them to actually modify challenges to make them slightly different from before, even if it's familiar. Like the added part of like lifting it over that huge barrier is, yeah, it's the same ball, but that is a different strategy. And it's, it's something that's, I find to be, it's a small change that actually made it more interesting. Uh, and I know you're more of a challenge guy. I'm not like a huge challenge guy, but I thought it was, it did make it more entertaining for me that they varied it in a way that was not game breaking but also interesting i think you i think variation on all of that all of the time is 
the way to go, especially when people are studying things and you're looking at stuff. Like, don't give people the opportunity to watch a season and then know the advantages of a certain challenge, switch it up enough every time. And that's where, like, that's part of the evolution of this game on TV is that someone like Carson seems like he's done every single puzzle uh, on Survivor till he's uh, become an expert at all of them. So that's something that now the builders of the show will have to think about every single time. Yeah. Is Jam Jam saying Josh to Danny and then uh, Danny saying, let's wait and see? Uh, is that who, who played it wrong there? Anybody? Uh, wait, so say, say that last word again. So Jam Jam uh, goes back on the losing yeah, uh, into the water. team into the water with Danny. And Danny's like, who's your name? Oh, and Jam yeah, Jam's yeah. like, Josh, who, what do you think? He's like, let's wait and see. Yeah, I think that this was fine for Jam Jam because they were already at odds and that's who you have to say. Yeah. Um, for Danny, I think that's not great. <laughs> but as we saw <laughs> last week uh, <laughs> with his conversation <laughs> with Brandon and Carolyn, doesn't always think on the fly the best. But he is, um, I mean, he played the idle part of it great when he put it in the cage. But um, ignoring Carolyn in favor of Brandon and this was not great. Um, but obviously it didn't bite him in the butt and he was vulnerable, right? Like that could have been a game ending, um, mistake for him, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought like, uh, in this moment you're and jam jam articulated that as well. Like everybody knows it's me versus Josh. So I may as well say Josh's name. He felt bad about putting that out there, but I think it wasn't a misplay by him. But I do think like Danny not being like, yeah, interesting. I can see that instead yeah. of just being like, let's wait and see. It's like when, uh, when Penner uh, was asked by Don to be in like a final three and he right. was like, it's still too early to make a deal like that. Let's hold off for the time being. And yes. then Don was and like, then, we have to get him out. Yeah. Or Lisa, right? Lisa. Is that, Oh, it was Lisa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I forget yeah. who it was, but I remember him. You always say yes. I haven't seen that happen in a long time where people <laughs> like maybe anymore, but I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess Danny's bringing old school strategy. Back. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And we get the rain. Yeah. How much rain did you experience out there? Um, we had rain uh, 33% of the time. And there was 48 hours of just straight rain uh, in like a mini cyclone or storm or whatever it was. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, I feel like we got a little bit lucky to some degree. But except for that brief window, that was really, really bad. But it does make strategizing more difficult <laughs> because you can only go out so long and with so many people without it being extremely obvious and you also are miserable so you don't really want unless you're superhuman like maybe you used to deprivation and um crappy conditions could handle that i hate going out in the rain yeah yeah. it's for some reason it's so miserable and it's cold and you can't you can't afford to get your stuff wet if it's dry so like you have to and even that first season on Token Chains when it was raining and they were like, Tyson, come out of the shelter for an interview. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And they're like, you have to. And I was like, ah. And they're like, they explained to me, they're like, we have to capture this and your misery on camera. Like, we can't not. Like, this is what shows the yeah. audience how miserable existing out here can be. And yeah. so you're like, okay. So you, bu- you go out there and you're just like, everything's <laughs> great. It's raining. Where was the rain the worst? Token Sheens or uh, Samoa? Not the Philippines. We had almost no rain there. 
Fiji, we only had like one day and it was, the rain's always miserable. Like it's yeah. always miserable. Yeah. Uh, and probably the rain in token chains was the most miserable just because it was the first time I'd experienced that and didn't like fully grasp what right. that was going to be until I was out there. Yeah. And I, I, it's definitely the worst. It's the only time I never thought about quitting, but it was the one time where it's been raining for 48 hours straight and you're literally just shivering. I never saw shivering as keeping yourself warm before until that moment when you're actually like, Oh, if I actually stop shivering, I feel so much colder. Um, but I think that was the one time where I was like, what am I doing? Um, I, I mean, it wasn't like, I'm going to quit, but it was, it was miserable. And I think that we got lucky in the sense that none of the rain that happened was during scrambling time. It was, it always happened to be on an off day or when we weren't going to travel council, or if it did, if it was happening when we were going to travel council, it was very brief so that we could sit in the rain, then go out and do whatever. But I think that it really could affect the outcome of a season. I mean, I think we saw it a little bit last season with, um, you know, it was raining really hard when Gabler got the plan to vote out Noel. And then he was, you know, maybe thinking of switching on Jesse and Cody. And, you know, who knows if that would have happened, but the rain probably stifles a lot of gameplay if it happens close to tribal council. Yeah, I think it, it does stifle some of the scrambling because everybody's locked in the shelter for the most part. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but I'm glad to see him get some rain. It's always fun to see them yeah. be miserable from yeah. the comfort of our living rooms. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, one thing I'm always like, here comes the rain. Yeah, get them, Mother Nature. <laughs> Kane goes to Carson and tells him he's nervous. And then Carson's like, yeah, your name was brought up. So then Kane runs to Brandon. And like, was Kane at risk until he got wind of it? Did he change anything or was this going to be the outcome? I mean, the way it was presented, it seems he did change the split vote to jam jam right? to jam jam. Um, but that being said, I think that he could have ended up like in either way, he wasn't going to go home because it, he brand, I mean, Josh didn't have an idol and he was going to go home, but he may have, I, I worry could have ruined some social capital with him and Carson. And yeah. I think the other hard part is when the early parts of the merge, um, people are, trying to latch onto anything. And it takes a little bit of time before they start to flip the script and play the game further. And so, you know, um, I think early on, if you're cast aside in that first vote, it's very easy for you to be the follow-up vote until more time has gone by for more relationships to build. So I think even though he survived this, the impact of it could be that he's in trouble next week. Uh, I hope he will find a way out and continue um, the Canadian domination um, that's been on the show recently. But I do worry for him a little bit. And he's also from the middle of nowhere in Canada, by the way. Like he, when he said barn burner, I, that's so funny because there's only farmland where he lives. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you think uh, this sets us up for a Canada versus uh, United States uh, survivor season? <laughs> I don't think so because i feel like this is the first season they even acknowledged canada's existence on the show like <laughs> they, they everybody's been like covertly canadian <laughs> okay secret yeah secret, it's a secret. canadian but yeah. not kane yeah he's not loud kane. and proud even though he's saying the national anthem wrong but it's fine maybe oh it's saskatchewan but yeah probably yeah. different versions yeah i don't think so i think you should okay kane. it's like you get the name wrong you know it's his kryptonite is the national I've gotten it right. I feel like I've gotten it right. <laughs> mostly. Not as good as Riley. I know. I'll never be as good as Riley. Or as Indian as me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I'm going to practice. <laughs> and then next time I have you on, I'll say it perfectly. And uh, it's going to be okay. All right. So let's go to tribal council. I mean, basically it's like Carson and Kane both said that like, it's a large group that's chaotic and it's impossible to manage. And this is where you, trust is the most important is you have to trust your relationships to gather information as well. And mm -hmm. uh, it makes you feel pretty vulnerable. Like, I don't know that the audience fully gets this, but putting your trust in like a couple people to bring you information and then leaving it at that without cross-checking is very difficult to do, to just sit back and let it happen. But you have to let it happen sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And I think the biggest thing when I went into the game, I was like very worried I would be super paranoid and be like, well, how can I trust that you're that what you're telling me is the truth? How can this, how can that? But I think at some point, you know, going into it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you are outwardly un untrusting of everything. If you're outwardly paranoid all the time, it really wears on people's trust in you. And and so you just have to like at some point there's a split that switches that where you have to just be like, I may not be able to trust everything I'm hearing, but I have to go with something. And if I let on that, I don't, I'm not trusting it, then it's going to come back on me. So you just have to go with the flow and just, you know, do it with conviction. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I think, I mean, there's a danger to doing that too, because ultimately when, you know, it was my turn to go, I didn't, you know, really realize that because there was yeah. a few warning flags that were there that I ignored. And then in hindsight, they were very obvious, but um, I think, you have to go in with some skepticism, but it should never be outward. And you have to really contain that because the people that were paranoid were very difficult to play with. Yeah, it makes it hard to the point where you're just finally like, uh, we got to get rid of them. They're too paranoid. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's easier. It's going to be more calming for everybody. Uh, so yeah, I agree. Do you have anybody like that that sticks out in your mind? I mean, probably me on Winners at War little bit i scrambled pretty hard but i had yeah and i was scrambling and then then that but that's like the balance like scramble so much that it makes it worse right scramble enough that it or is it like hopeless like yeah, if it's hopeless think, then scramble as much as i want because yeah. like i can't do any more harm yeah but when you're on the bottom you can't really scramble out of it like you need somebody to do it for you almost but it's like if you don't have anyone to do it for you then you really have to go for it or if they're not if you're trusting somebody that's not bold enough to do it, then, but I think it's when, when you're on the bottom, it's just like everything you say to people is going to be taken the wrong way, no matter what. And so yeah. it's, it's best to have somebody fight your battle for you. But if you don't have that, that's very difficult. Yeah, it is very, very difficult. <laughs> very difficult. What do you think of Matt's, uh, Matt's ski analogy? Um, these analogies <laughs> in the new era. No. <laughs> I could never go skiing either because my knees all messed up from when I dislocated it in a mascot dance off. So I can never ski ever again. What but mascot were you? I was a caracal, which is an African lynx. So if you have a pet, you can pretend it's a caracal too. I'll know what that is. Okay. Um, yeah. And I was like doing the matrix and then my knee popped out and then they thought it was part of the show. And I was like, no. So you won? We did win but it was like a pity win. And then they were all Still. clapping me like you killed it. And then I was like, I can't get up, call an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I can't go skiing. I thought 
I mean, I get where he was going, what he was going for, but I'm just, I'm kind of over the tribal analogies. I wanted yeah. to ask more pointed questions, but I found, I that's what I was worried in this going to the season. I was like, is Jeff going to blow up my spot at tribal? But I found Every his time. questions to be very generic and not really um, anything that would give anything away, but I'm not sure. And then they just edit what's relevant for the storyline. But did you find that he was more pointed with you guys or not really? I think he tries to be more pointed in a way that you can answer generically if you're smart, mm-hmm. but that he gets a very specific answer from people who either are scared of him or right. or if you skirt the question too hard, he'll make you answer the question he asked in a more direct way. Okay. So if he yeah. asks you a question and you skirt it completely, he's going to be like, that did not answer it at all. And if you don't give me a straight answer, I'm going to blow up your spot. <laughs> versus if you answer it enough to appease him, you're yeah. good. And so that's where, but then it's like, when does Jeff get to pick and choose those moments to like right. really, you know, poke, poke somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that was always my experience was like, if you can give him enough yeah, that it's going to make okay TV and it's going to answers the question straight, even though you're not giving anything up, you're good. But if you don't do either of those two things, He's going to force you to answer it more directly, and then yeah. that's a problem. There's um, there's one moment that really sticks out to me the night that I went home that I don't know if it was now me just looking for something that wasn't there, but he had said like, you know, what if it's you, or like, how can you trust the information you're getting? I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I think I trust what I'm getting. That's why I'm survivor confident, but. I also could be wrong in walking down that pathway. And he's like, well, isn't that a cop-out? Because um, you're saying you're confident, but like you're leaving the window open for if you're wrong. I felt like in hindsight, was he trying to make, get me to say something that was very like cocky because <laughs> uh, I was leaving that night? Or yeah. is it just um, him trying to get a more direct answer? I'm not sure. Um, but I did find like when the one thing that calmed me a little bit when like Lydia went home was he was she wasn't that involved in any of the strategy that round but he was asking her a lot of questions so i was like oh maybe they're trying to get footage of her like in case she leaves or whatever so that made me a little little bit more assured but that's pretty much the extent of what what i would take away from tribal and i I think that could also be in my head and not really something that's happening as well yeah i mean people need to realize that some of these tribals are three hours long and then they're piecing together what makes the most for the story and jeff is a master at making everyone feel like they're probably still good most of the time, unless it's so blatantly obvious yes. in the game who's going home, then he can be more obvious at tribal council. Yeah. But otherwise I feel like he does a good job masking it. And Agreed. even though the viewer is like, well, why don't you just pick up on the cues at, at tribal? It's like, he's given like six people the cues. Like yes. I can't like that's, <laughs> um, what do you think of live tribals and whether or not it's a function? I hate of, is it a function of like, <laughs> like um, solid gameplay when they don't occur or are they happening because people are being sloppy and then everybody feels unsafe at tribal and have to feel like they have to do something. I think people feel unsafe, but I also think like sometimes it's because there's uh, like, they've gotten some information at tribal that they weren't aware of before, or there's advantage somewhere being, you know, being flashed or something. So I think that probably there is a place and time for it, but I don't, I think tribal for the audience should be all heard. Like I don't yes, like seeing yeah. the whispering and being like, what, what, what they right. say? Like right. I'm here watching this thing, but I'm unable to see what they're saying to each other. I can see them whispering, but I'm left out. I want to be in. Yeah. And so, and at, even at, uh, 
I mean, for a while, it became the thing where it was like, it's going to be a live tribal pretty much every time because that's the new yeah. standard. And I was like, this is annoying. Like, let's just everybody stay seated and we don't have to yeah. do this every time. I think there's a time and a place for it, but I don't think it's every tribal council. Yeah. And so we didn't really have any on our season except for, I mean, there's one or two where I wasn't there, but it was, I think people were like very good at blindsiding. And it seems like this yeah. season, they're not doing that a lot either. And I think it's because they're very good at blindsiding. And so there's not a lot, like if people don't think they're going home, they're not going to really cause a fuss. So um, yeah. I think that is probably a sign of like more optimized gameplay. Um and I think having it occasionally is kind of fun as long as you know what they're saying. But I thought that your live travel you left in Winners at War, like that is still probably the worst edited episode in Survivor history, in my opinion. But I think it's because it was too short. Like they should have made that one longer because the family visit took up most of the time. But it seemed like the story didn't really make sense. Yeah, I didn't make sense to me. Okay, so maybe more time. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to... Uh, time to vote here yeah carolyn what what color of mace do you think she ha- she had growing up is that what she was pointing <laughs> at was a mace i don't like, even know what she was pointing at it was the big spiky ball on the chain with the <laughs> big giant handle right isn't that is that a mace that's a mace right i i guess so i mean i kind of want to be in carolyn's basement but um do I don't you know. is it safe <laughs> it could be fun i um maybe purple you know, she's Tika purple. Uh, purple yeah, and where do you get one of those growing up? Like her and I are around the same age. Like I didn't see those for sale. Ooh, there's probably some sort of like weird secret password and some underground location. You have to say all the right words and wink the right number of times, but okay. I will not be privy to it. Now it's probably Amazon. I'll look for it right now. <laughs> what about uh, Jam Jam toyed with the shot in the dark? Would this have been a good moment for him to play this? I actually do think so because his vote didn't really matter. It wasn't that close and he potentially could have gone home if Josh really did have an idol. I actually really like the shot in the dark. Um, and I think that's a mixed reaction. Some people don't like it, but I think it makes you have to blindside and it um, yeah. also gives people an out if they have no other options. And I think that that, and it's also not too OP because the chances of hitting it are low and you lose something to do it. So I personally am a fan, but I think that this could have been a good spot for Jam Jam. I actually agree with that as well, is that, and I know some people hate it, the shot in the dark, but I think it is true. You have to keep everything tighter, which is going to be better blind sides, especially in this age of Survivor where more information is shared all the time. So they have to figure out a way to keep it to keep someone from being like, hey, you're going home. Sorry, nothing you can do. Like that yeah. makes it up. Yeah, that makes it boring. And so and did you this, know you can transfer it? Ooh, I don't think they've ever shown it on the show, but when we got our shot in the dark, we were told um, if you lose it, you lose it. You don't get it back. And I think Roxroy lost his on Exile Island. Oh. But uh, we were also told that you can give it to other people, but you you can only use one per tribal. So I think I, I would have liked it if you could use more than one because like that's the benefit if you're in a minority alliance give all your shots in the dark to one person and then they have yeah. a much better chance at hitting it and keeping their group safe but it, it is something i don't think people really know is that you can at least as of season 42 could transfer your shot in the dark to somebody else but you can still only use one per tribal because i guess one per vote basically i do like that i think like if you're s- smart enough to know you're probably getting voted for and you have no one and you've gotten all the information that it's probably you 
and there's nothing else to do and you've tried everything within your power, within your knowledge or within your skill set, then yeah, have roll that thing. Like yeah. I agree. And, uh, and so I wish it were a one in four. Yeah. I think one in six is like a little too poor of odds. Yeah. Uh, Riley hates it. Riley hates yeah. everything about it. Riley. Uh, I'm just, I'm mostly anti things that make survivor more of a game of chance and less of a game of skill. See, I don't know. I think it makes it more skillful to some but extent. But it gives you a tool. It, yeah, you, you can use it as a tool, but it is ultimately still like a one in six as to whether that affects something or not. And it's, it's completely random. Yeah. yeah. I think that if you are getting enough information to know it's you and there's nothing you can do about it, then that is skill. Like yes, you've utilized some skill to find out all the information you need to know it's you and you've put in the work to shift it and cannot and you are aware enough to know that play that thing yeah i think it also has ripple effects beyond just yourself like um if people are throwing there's two instances on our season i can think of one is when mariah went home played her shot in the dark marianne thought about throwing a vote on Lindsay in case she hit but she consciously chose not to in order to keep a stronger core alliance moving forward in the game rather than breaking trust so early. Whereas somebody like Chanel had thrown a vote on Mike because she was worried that Daniel would hit a shot in the dark and she would go home. So just by throwing a vote onto Mike, that might protect her, but then it had severe consequences for their trust moving forward. And so I think that that additional layer of what you do to to combat the shot in the dark or move around it has strategic consequences. And I think we saw this season early on, Jamie playing her shot in the dark at the first tribal council had consequences for her alliance because they lost that vote. And similar to when you went home and Jeremy left, you know, with his safety without power, that's a consequence to doing that. And that, you know, didn't work out for him or you strategically. But at the end of the day, maybe that would also reflect on how people viewed his game um, or viewed Jamie's game in terms of, you know, when you were in a really tough spot, what did you do? And you kind of left your alliance high and dry. And that's, that's, um, I think it, it opens a lot of strategic um, windows that are interesting to see how people make decisions. I agree. And then also how people react to them. Josh goes, Jam Jam versus Josh. So Kane did do his diligence and get the decoy, Both I guess you'd call yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, off of him onto Jam Jam, which, you know, he is still gets comforting. One vote, though. He gets one vote and he yes. gets it from Carolyn. <laughs> Carolyn. From Carolyn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did they not like, tell her she, she did just, or she just wanted to write his name down? She had a surprise face. So I think she was surprised that Jam Jam had become the split. And do you think that's good for her? Because people are underestimating her so much that they're not even telling her or they distrust her or what? I don't know. I think it's not a great place. I think the rest of it was great because she had the right read on Josh. She was telling the right thing. But I think being left out is a sign that you are not fully aware of what's going on and people don't. Like it's one thing if they don't think you're a threat, but it's another thing if they don't trust you enough to tell you the plan. And I think that that's not a great position to be in. But I think the worst thing she could do would be panic about it and freak out. I think she, if she plays it cool, she can get back in. But it's not great for her game right now. Well, maybe she was just the decoy decoy vote in case both Josh <laughs> and Jam Jam played, played yeah. shots in the dark. Fair enough. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Idols and stuff. You got to have all the decoys. It's got to be a bunch of them. Uh, next time. No say in who goes home. Is this going to yeah. be a challenge-based eviction? Okay, so I don't 
I don't know, but my guess is, so I think the some of the criticism the show faced was that, you know, they wanted to keep things, you know, unpredictable in the new era, but then the formula for season 41 and 42 and then 43 were very, very similar. And this is the point where they bring out the rice negotiation or whatever. But now I'm wondering, based on the, the phrasing is so weird that I'm wondering if there still is a vote because they really, their audience did not react positively towards um, do or die. But I wonder if you if you play the challenge, you don't get a vote at tribal council. That's my guess. And it's like you sit out or you play. Interesting. Interesting. I, I agree. I think it's going to be some subset of people that have no say and goes home, but there'll still be a vote. Okay. But initially I was like, wait, is it just going to be, yeah, like a challenge-based eviction or something? And uh, I don't think yeah. so. I don't think they got to so. have tribal yeah. council. There has to be tribal council. Yeah. What's the show without tribal council, yeah. right? If we're, if we're not deciding who goes home, by votes then the tribe does not speak has not spoken yeah. and we're sort of like not playing survivor anymore yeah i say from a game mechanics perspective like if they want people who save themselves with immunity and make a dramatic moment the the more likely i mean less players playing is more likely to make that happen and less people playing um who are still going to play are going to be the ones who feel vulnerable in that situation um so they're gonna you know and ironically maybe they would have more power if they didn't play because then their vote is um, a larger percentage of the total votes. But I think a lot of the people in the majority in alliance in that situation would opt to not play. Like if I were there and I, in the position that I was in at that point in the game, I would easily opt out and not play um, because I, I know having a vote, like it probably won't be me and having a vote is useful. Now, I guess the question is whether the dynamics are so set or if they're still very fluid because if they're very fluid, then... Um, more people will want to vote or or maybe they want to save themselves immediately. I think it could be interesting. Uh, I feel like I will predict that the audience is going to hate it, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Riley, uh, let's get into our superlatives and burn through these things. Let's do superlatives. Okay. Best move of the episode. I mean, maybe Kane getting the decoy votes shifted off of him. I think it's not a safe place to be. Uh, with people unsure of whether or not Josh has an idol. So I think you do need to, should try to do some scrambling there to get uh, your name out of people's mouth. Okay. I actually agree. Um, because oh, you thought you were going to disagree with me? I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't like that he, the way he, um, I don't either. Execution wise. Execution wise, that is the most effective thing that happened. And I, I just think the people that got rid of Josh, it wasn't in their best interest. And I think that Carolyn giving the information about Josh's idol was important, but she voted wrong. So it has to be Kane. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say Kane too. I didn't really have a good one for this. I feel like there wasn't, wasn't a ton of impressive gameplay in this episode, which brings us to the next superlative, which is worst move. I think <laughs> it's th around that same thing. It's either Carson telling Kane his name was brought up or Kane running to Brandon and telling him he got the information from Carson. And I'm more inclined to think that Carson telling Kane his name was brought up was the bad move because Kane at that point feels he's on the chopping block to some degree. So then has to scramble. So to him, he has nothing to lose by telling Brandon that Carson was the one that told him. And if it's uh, anyone but me mentality, throwing Carson under the bus to Brandon a little bit could even be the thing that sways people to vote a different direction. Right. I I didn't hate it as much coming from Carson. 
Um, in some ways, I guess he could have just let King get a couple of votes and then just played dumb. Like, I didn't know that that was going to happen. And that yeah. wasn't the plan from my end. But on the other hand, it's like, how much, how much you believe when people say that to you? Like, I feel like someone has social as Carson, you would expect them to know what's going on. So if, if he had told him and he had kept it cool and, or maybe had a more of a conversation about like, do not tell anybody this or like, play cool, or this is what we're going to do to save you rather than just give the information. Then I think it may have ended up being um, the best outcome because then at least he gave, you know, Kane that information and Kane, it came from him first. So he can trust that. Yeah. So I think for me, the worst move of the episode was, I guess, just Josh's read on Soka and how they were still loyal to him because nobody they were never loyal. They to were him. never loyal. <laughs> 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 and I, I think you could question whether it was good for Soka to even like grow one of their numbers to the wolves. It's like that's a misread on their part of like he's clearly he's he's like begging to be with you and you're gonna like cast him aside. I guess that's not necessarily the best thing. But also if they don't trust him, then I, I get it too. Yeah. But I think Josh's misreads are probably what I would put there. I think related to that, I th- uh, my worst move is probably Josh and maybe Jam Jam 2 not playing their shot in the dark. Cause I oh, think interesting. Yeah. When you're on the bottom or like you're, you're, you know, you know, you're vulnerable and half of the people aren't, and there's that many votes going around. Like the, the chances that your one individual vote make the difference probably pretty, pretty low. So if there's a time to play that thing, I think it was now. Yeah. And they knew their names were being floated too, I guess. Yeah. Although you do say that yeah. though, Riley, but did Sydney went home because she played her shot in the dark and lost her vote. So it can, I guess that the margins are small, but I mean, if you don't have all the information, I guess it's hard to know, but I agree yeah. that both of them should have probably played in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite moment of the episode. I like uh, the merge feast swirl around Carolyn, where <laughs> she was just hearing like blah, 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 blah. And then she said, how many scenes can we get of Carolyn being miserable? And then she just was like, I, I like sweating and then crickets. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that part. I have to go back and watch it. Um, Similarly, I liked when she was at the actual merge feast part of it and was like, what the F they don't, they don't care. Listen to what I have to say when I laid it all out. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, that whole sequence, I think, was was great. Great entertainment, great TV. I liked uh, Jam Jam and Josh pretending to sort of work together. <laughs> yes. with, like, just the, the thinnest, like... Veil. Veil of, of sincerity for both. Like, they both just knew how, how much they were each lying yeah. to each other. It was comical. Yeah, that was funny. I think too. at that point, it would be really fun. They were just like, yeah, we're voting for each other. You know, like... There comes a point where the, the lying is just like, oh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I, I want to see two people just say, all right, I'm gunning for you. You're gunning for me. Good luck. And they shake hands and like walk in separate directions. That did happen on our season. Mariah and Marianne were big. Like we're voting for each other. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Let's do winner picks now. For once, my winner pick did not go home this week. Ooh. This is the first time this entire season, uh, Omer, that... Yeah. Uh, Riley's pick didn't go home the very next wow. week. Yeah. Somehow I picked four straight. That's four straight. You picked Helen. Yep. Claire. Yep. Sarah and Matthew. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah. Wild. I have to stick with Kane just because uh been with him since day one. Yeah. So he did yeah. say that you were his favorite player. Oh, I know. 
That's okay. why he's my favorite player on this season. <laughs> I also <laughs> named you as one of the five people I was like. <laughs> but you didn't name um, me as the one. Not the one, no. But actually Reddit was like, what a, what a loser super fan. He said all these like crazy people and he's going to go home early. And then they said, they did compare me to those people over the season. So F you Reddit. <laughs> yeah. um, I think uh, I will go with Carolyn. <laughs> I think she's, she's not Canadian. She's not Canadian, but she might as well be because we would take her. Okay. Riley? Yeah. I'm sticking with Carolyn too. I picked yeah. her last week. I mean, we kind of noted it wasn't her best episode, but in this still area, far from the have... worst of anybody there. Yeah. And you can have a <laughs> bad uh, episode and still win the game yeah. for sure. Maybe Matthew dislocating his shoulder was good for Riley's game here because it's turnaround. Now he's going to actually get the winner pick. Actually, we didn't even talk about that. He dislocated his shoulder and you dislocated yours. Mm-hmm. Did you feel a kinship or no? I did a little bit, except for he yeah. did his in a dumber way by <laughs> just showing off for the cameras. But yeah, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, I know what he's feeling and what he's battling right now because you yeah. still have to like show that you're not a liability to the tribe. Yeah. But then you also can't damage it further, which it seems like he did damage it further by pro- trying to prove so hard that he wasn't a liability. And that's the balance when you have an injury. Uh, and it's... It would be different for someone different, but I think someone who's physical and an asset at uh, challenges, uh, that's the balance that they need to hit is liability versus, you know, further injury. Yeah. And I think he also, it seems like he fractured pieces of his bone and stuff like that, which is going to be hard to uh, recover from. I wonder if they even Tylenol though. Like I wish they would, they probably should have given some ibuprofen or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They did. I'm sure they did. They, yeah, they were very um, strict about it, though, for us. Oh, really? Yeah. I had like, a yeah. headache one time, and they were like, no. <laughs> but yeah, they're not time. giving you something for a <laughs> headache. Are you kidding? <laughs> a headache versus guy ripping your arm. <laughs> and they're just probably <laughs> drinking, telling them you got a tummy ache so you can get some Pepto-Bismol, drinking that by the because it tastes delicious out there. I bet te- Pepto-Bismol tastes so good out there, that wintergreen flavor. Yeah. But listen, listen, they're not giving you... There was never a time in Survivor history where they're giving headache medication to someone with a headache because guess what? Everybody has headaches there most of the time. Yeah, so give us some Tylenol. What's the big deal? I, no. I thought about um, fainting. <laughs> I thought about fainting to get some water, but there was no Jerry Manthe to rescue me for my crybabyitis, so I didn't do it. But next time. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, I'll send you some Tylenol if you still have those headaches once in a while. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Man, I bet production laughed at you behind your back for that. <laughs> I, I bet the per- whoever you asked went back to the production camp was like, hey, everybody gather around, get a load of this. <laughs> get a load of what just happened. Yeah, whatever. All I right. regret it. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> okay, what else? Well, else, Riley? Last superlative, last superlative. Next boot. Oh, man. Uh, next boot is going to be Matt. Oh, okay. So I I was going to go with Matt, but then in the preview, they're like, the showman's has to go, and I feel like they're misdirecting. So I wonder if it's going to be Jamie going after the showman's and then getting cut herself. So I'm going to go with Jamie. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I, I've said Matt a few episodes now for the same reason. I feel like they'll cut off the showman's, but I agree that 
once it comes up in the preview, it's usually a misdirect. Yeah, and the thing with Matt too is he's harmless. Like if you look at him and you're like, we got to break up that showman's, and they're like, that showman's isn't doing anything. Let him be in love <laughs> for another not day. Exactly a power couple. Yeah, let him be in love another day. We'll deal with him tomorrow. Yeah, what if he they end up happiness. winning? Yeah, he deserves <laughs> happiness. Let's let him be happy. Yeah, I'm gonna say Carson because I kind of oh. think I kind of think that him solving that puzzle so quickly. Like, obviously, you got to do it because you win immunity in yeah. that challenge. But I would be like, hey, this this guy's like a challenge threat. He has studied. Yeah. Well, and also, Brandon's kind of onto him because that information He's got passed on every side from yeah. Kane. So if Brandon puts two and two together, I think Carson is in a tough spot. So I, I agree. And I think those are some solid choices by us uh, three uh, geniuses. <laughs> So between us three, we should get something right. Let's hope. We'll see. Let's shut this thing down. Thank you so much, Omer, uh, for uh, being here and for all your time and wisdom. I have to say you're uh, quite the uh, survivor. Um, uh, yeah, I'll say a genius. I think you you seem to have quite the grasp on the game. Riley, oh, you disagree. I saw you, I saw you smile, Riley, like you disagreed <laughs> with what I said to him. It's rare <laughs> to, to hear you hand out a compliment like that. Is that true? Oh. I feel like you're normally talking about what a genius you are. I am a genius, <laughs> but genius recognizes genius. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think that that's... Game recognizes game? Yeah, I don't think... Uh, Riley, there'll come a time eventually no, when just, I give you your earned and deserved compliment. <laughs> but until then, uh, we'll be back next week. See ya! See ya!